This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Blue Convictions, market analysis and asset allocation views. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all. For starting uh, all thoughts, of course, uh, to all of you, those who are in containment, uh, to you and your families. We hope uh, everything is well for the most of the people around this call. Uh, it's been a crazy week. Uh, in the last 10 days, uh, we can say that a number of things that a number of uh, of us were, were believing was not possible that became reality. Uh, Matrix rules, fiscal rules were suspended. Eurobonds are in the air. Helicopter money uh, is coming to reality in the U.S. Uh, so to assess the situation, as we do every week now, um, with Monica Dishan, our chief economist, and Pascal Blanquet, our chief investment officer, and I'm going to ask Pascal uh, to give us first his general comments on the situation, on the evolution of the situation since our last call last week. Pascal, the floor is yours. Thank you, Jean-Jacques. There are more and more things uh, going into the right direction. Uh, all boxes are not ticked, but uh, in second derivative terms, uh, there are signs of hope. Uh, uh, in my view, uh, the, the, what I think is the following. Basically, what we've got is a race uh, against time uh, between the virus, uh, number one, uh, number two, monetary policies and budgetary policies in particular, trying to address the liquidity squeeze in the market financing conditions for corporates. And the number three, the level uh, of uh, indebtedness uh, across, uh, across the various uh, economies. And uh, basically, the ultimate impact on the real economy will depend uh, on this uh, race against time. This is the first set of remarks. The second uh, is, uh, I think, the... the, the by large, the matter is uh, is about anchoring expectations in uh, various areas. One is uh, is uh, basically uh, in relation to the virus uh, virus itself. Uh, it is critical that at some point expectations are anchored uh, to the uh, idea uh, that uh, the virus uh, follows uh, a cyclical pattern, and uh, we know that the pandemia are uh, cyclical in nature. So this is a, this is a critical expectation, it's not yet uh, done. There are signs coming from China or Asia, generally speaking, we will see uh, and uh, in Italy, and I- Italy is uh, critical in this uh, cyclical pattern uh, uh, thing. Uh, and uh, so this aspect is the basic driver of animal spirits in my view. The second, uh, area where expectations must be anchored was a core bond deal first, uh, actually, and it was addressed uh, by the central bank. It was critical that uh, treasury uh, yields and bond yields uh, stayed uh, basically anchored uh, uh, where they are uh, now. Uh, then uh, it is uh, even more critical to uh, anchor uh, the short end of uh, the credit curve. Uh, and this, uh, uh, this is why, uh, basically we've seen the Fed, uh, stepping in, uh, uh, powerfully. Uh, now we are waiting for the ECB to deliver, uh, what was, uh, promised, 
uh, and announced uh, in terms of QE, including uh, the short end of the uh, credit curve. And finally, uh, expectations that whatever it takes is uh, basically uh, 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 um, uh, is, um, it is it is important that uh, basically participants believe that uh, uh, w things will be done by policy mixes, whatever it takes. Actually, it was my uh, message. Uh, uh, one week ago, I think we are uh, now uh, moving into uh, the right direction, uh, but uh, obviously uh, there is more to come, uh, but it's critical uh, that this uh, expectation is anchored uh, in, the, uh, in the market. And finally, I think that what we've got, uh, uh, basically, it's, uh, we've got uh, three cycles with leads and lags. There is the cycle of the virus, the time cycle of the virus. We've got the time financial cycle, for example, equities versus bonds, or let's say the financial cycle, and then the real economic cycle. There are things we know. The financial cycle is leading the real cycle. We know also that the, probably the financial cycle will be bottom before basically the pandemia is fully, uh, fully uh, addressed. And finally, this is my view, probably the financial cycle is uh, synchronous with the second derivative of the uh, virus cycle. This basically to, uh, to give an idea of, uh, of the, uh, the pattern we, uh, we may follow in the uh, coming um, period. And finally, I think we are seeing some signs of relief to be uh, confirmed in the market. Oh, beyond the rebound in equities. Uh, in the U.S., I think it's interesting to see uh, the most recent uh, uh, development in the tips market after a severe uh, underperformance uh, uh, sequence. Uh, tips are moving now into a, a more positive uh, orientation. Uh, the co uh, we've seen uh, relief uh, in the, at the short end of the corporate credit uh, curve. And we've seen uh, some steepening uh, across the, the curve. In Europe, it's still a uh, tenth uh, in the uh, corporate credit uh, space in terms of uh, liquidity, specifically for the sectors most uh, impacted by uh, by the uh, immediate uh, uh, crisis. Thanks, Pascal. So you're saying that everything is about uh, anchoring the expectations of everyone now. Um, maybe just something that is important to focus on is uh, we've seen a number of uh, revision of the growth forecast based uh, on the diffusion of the virus uh, and the progressive closing uh, of all the economies. Uh, a lot of noise was made uh, after the PMI release of yesterday. So, Monica, I would like you uh, to tell us uh, about that to explain uh, what have been the revisions in our central scenarios uh, at Amundi uh, and maybe with a specific focus on the impact uh, on the U.S. economy, which is uh, probably uh, the next big thing to anchor uh, for investors uh, before seeing uh, the real bottoming uh, of, uh, I would say, the sequence. So, Monica, if you can comment uh, on that, please. Yes, thank you and good morning and good afternoon to everyone. Starting from our uh, global uh, growth uh, forecast, we have been uh, revising down the, the expectation 
at this stage, uh, the situation remains uh, really, really fluid because uh, on, on one side, as Pascal was mentioning, uh, we've been unable to anchor our expectation on the, on the virus, on the spillover to the, to the, to the global uh, economy. And as you were mentioning, the uh, U.S. is going to be to be critical, in particular as far as the uh, PMI's um, outcome. Uh, they are flashing uh, basically a collapse in the in the service sector. Uh, the the final drop is uh, uh, more. Um, more evident than in the manufacturing sector. And this is because the decline uh, is uh, primarily related to tourism and, uh, and travel-related uh, activities that are leading the, the way into this, uh, this drop. And the movement has been similar uh, in the U.S. as well as in the, uh, in the Eurozone, where there are some increasing signals of supply chain disruption, production, and, and new orders. So uh, in our base scenario today, we call uh, a recession that is sequential, Q1, Q2, uh, Q3, uh, starting from Asia, moving into Europe, uh, then in the in the U.S. Uh, we struggle in finding the, the uh, of the of the recession as uh, uh, as Pascal was uh, uh, anticipating, and we do expect uh, a smooth recovery uh, towards the end of uh, 2020, uh, more likely beginning of uh, uh, 2021. Uh, US is going to be uh, key, so we are eventually trying to size the impact uh, on uh, EPS uh, growth. Uh, for the time being, uh, we are targeting a minus 15, minus 20 uh, on a year-on-year basis. But uh, bear in mind that companies are progressively withdrawing forward guidance. So uh, it is becoming difficult also to get uh, a size uh, out there. And then why U.S. is important? Because of the potential spillover to emerging markets via the U.S. dollar. So a further tightening on, on financial condition. Uh, even beyond the uh, economic effect. And so the global growth forecast uh, for the year, uh, in your perspective, would be established at which level, Monica, now? Uh, it would be something, uh, globally speaking, around 2%, with the information that uh, we have today. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Pascal, uh, we started to uh, echo that uh, in the introduction, but in terms of uh, policy response, uh, it seems that uh, all the rules uh, we were living on uh, are now being put into cause or breached. Um, so are we going back to uh, the 70s with the global monetization uh, of public debt, uh, or are we, uh, in your view, entering into something completely new and different, notably based uh, on uh, what uh, has been announced uh, by the U.S. yesterday? Uh, you know, my view has not changed. Uh, I published a paper six or seven months ago, uh, the road back to the 70s. This was the title, but basically uh, what I think is that uh, um, uh, this uh, period will be remembered uh, as the, the birthday date of uh, regime shift with uh, some sort of uh, merger between the two branches of uh, the policy mix, uh, the uh, final uh, end of the what I call the Volcker uh, period, actually at the central banking uh, level. Uh, uh, so I think this is, uh, uh, this is something investors will have to have in mind moving forward. Uh, with some, probably some implications uh, 
uh, as uh, basically it is a regime shift. And uh, a regime shift happens uh, every, uh, I would say, two decades, even three decades sometimes. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an important thing. Uh, the second uh, uh, thought is that uh, I think that the sequence will be uh, remembered as um, basically uh, a sequence uh, in which uh, the virus uh, has been the uh, invisible end of mean reversion of uh, return uh, back to uh, their long-term sustainable uh, trend, actually, following a sequence of uh, deviations of uh, returns uh, from uh, their long-term uh, trend. And uh, finally, uh, the sequence will be remembered as a, as a, as a liquidity crisis uh, in the corporate uh, uh, sector, so it's a big difference with the uh, 2008 uh, crisis. Uh, in in 08, the uh, at the heart of the crisis, uh, it was uh, all about a liquidity crisis in the banking uh, sector. This time, it's different. It's uh, is an exogenous shock, uh, basically with a uh, with a significant impact. Uh, in the uh, market conditions uh, of uh, of uh, corporate. Thank you. I would like, Monica, uh, that uh, we detail a little bit, uh, uh, I would say, uh, the different types of answers that have been delivered uh, both by uh, central banks and uh, by government, uh, because clearly, uh, as it is a really common crisis, it is not a crisis that can be addressed by monetary policy only. This being said, uh, the different central banks, notably the Fed and the ECB, have taken in the last week uh, absolutely extraordinary measures. Uh, so maybe first, uh, if you can uh, give uh, the comments on what the Fed is doing and what the ECB uh, are doing, uh, and to uh, tell us what is your assessment uh, of the program they've decided to launch. Okay, so to answer to the first, the first of your question, uh, basically, the monetary bazookas has been uh, uh, put in place in order to anchor expectations, uh, as Pascal was saying, on the liquidity uh, and credit uh, um, and the sovereign uh, is uh, uh, effort. While on the fiscal policy side, uh, the target is more to preserve the, the social stability, to preserve the economic stability, safeguard, safeguarding life. First and, uh, and and jobs. So those are uh, the uh, the two big uh, targets that uh, combine the the policy response as to tackle uh, in order to restore confidence that the crisis will be over uh, at some point, and that we will have to look after how what uh, is going to 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 take. As far as the Federal Reserve uh, is, uh, is concerned, the package is huge because they've been moving into unlimited purchase of a Treasury and MBS. Uh, this is going to uh, address, this is uh, the key infinity that is going to address the uh, liquidity issues. They have been uh, opening uh, new credit facilities, uh, uh, being acting on the primary and on the secondary market. Uh, this is going to support uh, uh, the, the credit sector and actually uh, today the market 
over the last days, uh, the primary markets in the in the U.S. has been uh, reopening. Securities have been expanded to municipals, ABS, investment grade, ETF. This is something new. So ETF that are tracking in investment uh, investment grades. So liquidity and fixing the the, um, the issue on the on the credit side has been the primary goal of the Federal Reserve. As far as the ECB is concerned. Uh, beyond the uh, liquidity provision, the 750 uh, billions, de facto, the ECB is exceeding the spread. So um, this is uh, this was uh, something important given the uh, volatility that we, we have been seeing, in particular in the notably in the in the peripherals. Uh, and they've been uh, successful in uh, fixing uh, this. It is very likely that the ECB. Is monitoring the market uh, with uh, uh, with low volumes before announcing or disclosing uh, the details uh, on uh, further uh, further measures. So this is uh, on the uh, on the um, major central banks, but uh, all uh, the, the central banks have been moving into uh, an accommodative stance in order to preserve at least uh, the liquidity and the functioning of the financial markets. Okay, and can you now because. Uh, to focus a little bit more on the government uh, government answers, uh, so can you please uh, give us uh, your comments uh, on what has been uh, announced uh, yesterday in the U.S. Uh, and then afterwards uh, on the conversations that are still uh, continuing at European level uh, and notably on the perspective to see the eurozone finally going to eurobonds, uh, which would be a major step uh, in further uh, integration of the eurozone. So first, uh, I would say focus. Uh, on uh, the agreements uh, yesterday uh, in the U.S. and second, uh, on the path of the conversation at European level. Mm. Starting from the U.S., uh, last night, as uh, uh, you were mentioned, has come uh, to a general agreement, uh, $2 trillion fiscal package. This is huge. Uh, if we take into account the 2019 prices, this is like uh, 9% of the, of the U.S. Uh, GDP. Uh, details in terms of uh, text uh, are not uh, uh, available yet, but uh, the, the, the content are. So we're talking about uh, $500 billion uh, for the industry. 50 of them will be uh, directed to the airlines, 377 to the small businesses, 300 billion payroll relief which basically uh, implies the uh, deferral of the tax payment for, for two years. There will be a hundred billion dollars for individual checks, checks so uh, 1,200 for individuals, 2,400 per couple, uh, 500 per, per child. So uh, this is uh, this is again uh, something huge that uh, is uh, tar- targeting the final consumer, which we want, would like to remain resilient, uh, given uh, how relevant this is for the uh, for the US GDP. It's a massive expansion on the uh, of the unemployment insurance, uh, including uh, an insurance for those uh, whose uh, working time has been reduced due to to COVID. And there is not a score uh, in this provision yet, but it will be expensive. Uh, the numbers that are circulating are talking about 100 billion US dollars. Uh, other than 30 billions will be 
devoted to to hospitals. So uh, as as we said, uh, this is really really uh, a huge uh, huge package uh, that the uh, that the, the Senate uh, agreed uh, agreed on and uh, that uh, will will be passed. Because nine percent of GDP, uh, if we have to compare uh, with the historical number, is uh, definitely not peanuts. When it goes to the Eurogroup, and yesterday uh, call uh, they had that uh, the final outcome will be um, delivered on Thursday, uh, which uh, is going to be a critical uh, a critical meeting. Basically, at the on the table there were three options. Um, the first one was uh, the, ES- the ESM to offer enhanced credit lines uh, to multiple member states. Um, the second was uh, liquidity injection via the ESM, and the third was uh, the, the Corona bond. The outcome uh, so far is for the enhanced uh, credit lines to the member states be offered via the uh, via the ESM. This is uh, uh, legally something very uh, straightforward to be uh, to be done because the financing facility was already there uh, the, the positive uh, aspect of this uh, financing facility um, relates to the possibility of unlocking unlimited target bond purchase by the ECB and as a consequence eventually uh, increasing the possibility of massive uh, uh, extra firepower uh, for the for the ECB to be played at their discretion, uh, at their discretion. So this is this is good, but this is not uh, what we would like really uh, really to see. And I explain you why. Uh, the Eurogroup missed the opportunity to uh, to talk Corona bonds. There is a uh, while Italy. France and Spain are quite supportive of this state. Uh, there is uh, the, the no coming from the Netherlands. On the uh, idea that uh, if uh, we go for a Corona bonds, which is uh, nothing then more than relabeling the Euro bonds, uh, um, actually you can have some uh, moral hazard blocking on the reform uh, process that uh, uh, the the countries, namely uh, Italy, uh, have been or should uh, take uh, should have been taken uh, on board. We don't believe that this uh, this discussion uh, will be uh, will be done and will be win uh, on the power of of argument, but uh, really talk about more fiscal absorption capacity, uh, creating a tangible link and an easy between the monetary policy and the fiscal policy. And lastly, this geopolitical uh, um, configuration that Corona uh, slash Eurobond would give is obviously uh, something um, something awful uh, that we hopefully uh, we'll, uh, we'll see at the, at the end. But still there is this big uh, division in between the Nordics, namely uh, the Netherlands and uh, and the other the other countries that for the time being present us uh, to to see this uh, this uh, euro bond corona bond come uh, alive in reality. But what is interesting is this is the, the last domino to fall, I would say, uh, in uh, the potential economic and financial equipment uh, equipment of Europe uh, to address the crisis. Uh, maybe, um, Pascal, uh, going forward, uh, based on uh, the evolution uh, of the monetary and the fiscal answer that Monica described, uh, first, can you tell us uh, what uh, you've done uh, in the portfolios? 
Uh, and uh, notably, you mentioned the question of liquidity on the credit side. Uh, how do you assess the situation uh, and how do you see the evolution of, of the situation uh, since the intervention of the central bank has started on this compartment of the market? Yes, starting first by uh, adding one comment to, uh, to uh, Monica's uh, comment, actually, what is critical, the, the, the critical immediate next week in the world, uh, actually, is the activation of the QE of the ECB, specifically for European-based investors, but uh, it's a critical element uh, into the uh, global uh, equation. And uh, we know that QE, uh, it, it takes some time for QE to be put in place. A QE, in terms of transmission channel, goes through uh, the books of, uh, uh, of investment banks, and uh, most of them are staffed uh, uh, already with paper. So I think uh, uh, this is the critical element to follow uh, uh, immediately. Uh, for the rest, uh, uh, actually, we have not moved uh, that much uh, compared with my uh, last uh, comments. I think that the general equation is basically uh, manage, managing liquidity uh, with a significant bias uh, towards quality and level in, ter in terms of uh, factors in the portfolio. And at the same time, trying to preserve the capacity to participate in the rebound, and the rebound uh, will come. Uh, so this is the general spirit of the management of the portfolios. On the liquidity side, I've already uh, commented, uh, actually, uh, liquidity management is, uh, is critical in our approach. Uh, it's not new. Uh, basically, as the first uh, principle, uh, we've got uh, uh, liquidity buffers uh, dynamically uh, managed uh, in the sense that uh, all funds are, have been stressed, uh, asset and liability, uh, and uh, as a consequence, buffers have been uh, calibrated uh, in advance uh, to absorb uh, a certain degree of uh, stress. Uh, so, practically, we've been increasing our liquidity buffers six months uh, in the period, six months before uh, the, um, the crisis we are, going, uh, we are going through. So, when the crisis hit, we were uh, pretty well, in my view, calibrated in terms of liquidity buffers. Uh, and we think... Uh, at the moment that those uh, liquidity buffers are appropriately calibrated for uh, the current market conditions. For sure, uh, they will uh, evolve uh, depending on uh, 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 the, uh, the market uh, consideration. So liquidity. Uh, then the second, a couple of remarks on the evolution in various uh, uh, areas uh, in the fixed income space. Uh, no surprise, we have increased uh, duration in the uh, global aggregate fund, mainly in the U.S. We've seen uh, credit uh, DTS up uh, as a consequence of uh, spread uh, widening. We've been edging credit with, uh, with derivatives. Uh, uh, we, uh, the long positions uh, in credit have been uh, maintained, but mostly exposed uh, sectors uh, have been uh, 
the, the sectors exposed uh, to the immediate impact of uh, the crisis have been uh, uh, trimmed and uh, and uh, and uh, de- uh, decreased in the in the portfolio. Uh, we are uh, we are still long uh, investment grade credit with a preference for Europe uh, over. Um, and uh, in the high yield space, it's still a preference Europe versus uh, versus uh, um, US. Um, in the US, we've been adding opportunistically uh, to highly uh, discounted credit, uh, where uh, basically it was uh, uh, feasible. Uh, on the uh, equity side, I think it's uh, it's obvious that the value. Uh, coal uh, is uh, even more uh, compelling, uh, both US uh, uh, and uh, and Europe. We've been increasing uh, exposure to industrials uh, and uh, adding selectively to chemicals, banks, uh, and low-cost uh, airlines. Again, this uh, this uh, idea to uh, to balance uh, liquidity management, especially on the bond side, for sure, uh, and uh, so, uh, liquidity management, a huge bias towards quality, uh, uh, and at the same time, uh, maintaining, uh, preserving the capacity or restoring the capacity to participate, uh, in, uh, in a rebound. Uh, in the, uh, U.S. equity uh, space, we've been continuing to uh, shift portfolios towards more typicality slash value. Uh, avoiding uh, new positions in energy uh, and uh, in the uh, emerging uh, market uh, space, uh, still a cautious uh, positioning, waiting for some sign kind of uh, uh, rebound at the global level uh, before uh, trying to uh, to buy uh, more significantly the dips. Uh, but this is an area again where we see a meaningful value. In the in the medium term, the emerging market space is uh, an area of uh, significant distortions uh, uh, at the FX level. It's obvious, and uh, and uh, and uh, generally speaking, basically investors are uh, are well remunerated for uh, the risk of uh, further depreciation, further depreciation, or if any, of uh, many times. It's not everywhere. Uh, but this uh, this reality will uh, will, uh, in my view, become uh, an obvious uh, opportunity when uh, we get confirmation that uh, those uh, expectations as uh, as described are uh, anchored, uh, which is not yet one hundred percent done. Thank you very much, Pascal. Maybe, Monica, one last word uh, on this uh, point specifically uh, on the emerging side. You know, now we see uh, notably that uh, India turned uh, into consignment. Um, what is uh, your assessment on uh, the impact on the crisis on the emerging markets per se, uh, supporting what Pascal just said? I think it's important because we've been focusing a lot uh, on China first, then on the EU and the US, but now on the rest of the emerging markets. Uh, have you any views on this? So the, the emerging market is really a heterogeneous area, and even uh, also in terms of the policy response, uh, we are seeing very, very different uh, 
uh, attitudes. If uh, we think uh, about China uh, to an extreme and Brazil on the other, that is uh, taking no, no action. And this is uh, maybe where in the LATAM or in the frontier market where also the sanitary system is much, much uh, weaker so that the answer uh, to the to the to the COVID can be uh, definitely less uh, less powerful. So still, uh, the China is is taking uh, the lead. Is taking the lead uh, not only uh, in terms of uh, response, uh, domestic response, but also uh, internationally, uh, displaying some uh, some soft skills. Uh, when uh, it uh, refers to the help that they are providing uh, to other countries in the in, in the rest of the world, so uh, I presume that at the end of uh, these crises, China uh, will uh, likely play uh, a different uh, a different role. Having said that, uh, in uh, in the Asia or where uh, the action has been more responsive, this is where. Uh, I think uh, we might be uh, focusing in particular on the uh, on the equity on the equity front, while uh, on uh, certain uh, countries uh, within the frontiers market. This is where, uh, for the time being, uh, we need uh, to be particularly careful. We do not have to forget that beyond uh, the COVID, there has been uh, another uh, sanitary emergency in uh, in the town, uh with the with the spread of the outbreak of the fever. But oil prices uh, definitely uh, is another layer of risk uh, that, uh, uh, if you want, is going to uh, complicate uh, the, the final uh, final uh, assessment. And this is why uh, we are uh, reviewing all the previous valuation on the on the credit side within the emerging bond spectrum. Okay, no, thank you very much. But still, <clears throat> an important uh, element uh, of positioning on our side, and considering that uh, emerging, uh, we're going to see uh, an entry point uh, soon, uh, and that we're positioning the portfolios uh, in that direction. Um, this conversation has lasted already uh, 35 minutes, uh, so I think we're going to put it uh, to an end. I would like to thank you very much, uh, Pascal and Monica, for your comments. Uh, to all uh, the clients and colleagues uh, that are connected to the call. The intention is to have this uh, call on a weekly basis uh, to uh, comment and give our opinion on the evolutions of the crisis. So see you uh, next week uh, and keep safe uh, meanwhile. Thank you very much. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets in financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.